0: All right, everybody, I am back for another episode of the Demand Excellence Podcast. And today I have Coach J.T. Wall on the program. He is the head coach of John Millage Academy, and he is the state's most successful coach. And I don't know if the state Everybody in the state knows it. He has won 62 games in a row. That streak came to an end but this past season, but he had the state's all-time winning streak at 62 games. They won four consecutive titles between 2019 to 2022, and then between 2017, 2016, and now they've been in seven of the eight last state championships and won five of them. So, Coach, Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, every uh, Georgia fans are going to know. Hey, you play football at Georgia, but give us a little bit of your background, man. You played high school at John Millage. You go to UGA, or you went to a D two school. Go to UGA. Give us a history of yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks. For, thank you for having me on, Coach. No, I'm just uh, you know Millageville dude, born and raised. You know, actually, actually live in the house that I was born and raised in, and that's the that's the hardest, longest negotiations I ever had in my life was buying that house from my mom, and you know, but you know, grew up here, and you know, a lot of our core values and, and stuff we do—I mean, we can talk about later—but kind of comes from that upbringing, kind of out in the country, just having to work, and you know, went to went actually went to Wilkinson County High School. I mean, Wilkinson County School from kindergarten to eighth grade, and then then transferred over here to John Millage, played here for four years, and then played at a Division Two school in Bolivar, Missouri with Coach Dennis Rowland. And, you know, I'd always dreamed of dreamed of being a dog and dreamed of going to Georgia and and, you know, left left that uh Division Two scholarship and walked on at Georgia. And, you know, back then, you know, if you transferred up, you had to, you know, lose a year. But luckily, you know, I started and played every game as a, a freshman and sophomore at that D two school. So I had a I still have my red shirt year. So when I transferred in, and we just used that year as my redshirt year. So, man, that was Coach Don, we didn't know it at the time, but that was his last year. And then, you know, then in comes Coach Rick, and I thought that you know the world had ended. You know, they brought this guy in from Florida State, and you know it in- ends up working out for me and benefiting me a lot better because I mean he used a fullback, you know, a whole lot more than you know Coach Donnan even did. So, played two years with Coach Rick, and you know made some lifelong friendships down there in Athens, and just some great guys and learned a lot of ball. You know, was fortunate enough then to, to get drafted in the, in the seventh round by Pittsburgh. And I was up there for two years on the practice squad and then then signed with Indianapolis and was up there for a while, you know, not quite a year. But, you know, while I was in Indianapolis, Pittsburgh wins the Super Bowl. And then the very next year after I let go by Indianapolis, they won the Super Bowl. So I always <laughs> thought I'd have a job. You know, I always thought somebody in the NFL would hire me knowing they would definitely win the Super Bowl the next year after they let me go. (laughs) But, you know, crazy, you know, crazy how things work. You know, that was, heck, man, that was three, four, probably like 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. You know, my mom's been in it, had been in education forever. You know, my brother-in-law's Coach Alley Good, he's been coaching forever. And then, you know, even Coach Rick. Was telling me, you know, when you get done playing, you need to get into coaching. And to me, that was the furthest thing in the world from my mind. Was was wanting to coach football. You know, I was wanting to coach high school football. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew I didn't want to get into the the whole rigmarole that I see. As like a lot of guys getting in is is the moving. You know, and the the jumping from job to job. And you know, I'm I'm kind of a homebody and that's that's probably why i've been here for 15 16 years so i don't know that was the one thing that kind of scared me away from it and and then finally back in 09 you know job comes open right here at at john millage and come in as an assistant for two years and and i knew the first day when i walked on the field in spring practice this is where i was supposed to be i mean i was supposed to be coaching you know and coach rick was you know great you know met with me you know when i was trying to decide whether i was going to make the decision or not and you know, we met for you know half a day up there in Athens, going over everything, every possibility. You know, and one of the things that he that kind of stuck out in my mind was, you know, he said, "JT, people coach their whole lives, you know, to get back home, and and you've got you've got an opportunity to start at home." So, you know, I kind of took that opportunity and ran with it, and feel like we've we've tried to get better and try to get the program better, and you know, try to become a better coach every year. Sometimes we feel like we we don't, but uh, that's just a constant battle. That we deal with. So, all in all, you know, happy, you know, and just love doing what I do every day.
0: So, talk a little bit about playing for Coach Rick and what do you feel like you learned from him or how he influenced you that impacts you today? You know, looking back on my like playing career, I was
1: super fortunate in the fact that I was able to play for just straight up Christian dudes. Bruce Lane was my high school coach, my sophomore to senior year. And he kind of set that model for me. Coach Rick took it to another level. And then even in Indianapolis with Tony Dungy. I mean, wow. these guys were not scared, you know, to to hide behind their fate and, and not put it out there. I mean, they, they put it out there you know, right in front of you. And, and that's something I battle with every day. I mean, and I've got to get better at it, you know, and, you know, because I know every day I'm a sinner, but, you know, we're trying to get better and, but he's, you know, Coach Rick, you know, you, you knew where he stood and really, really tough, you know, those first few years coming in there on us. And, you know, he came in and first thing he did was, you know, we had Matt Drills and that's that's like really when Matt Drills really took off across the nation. You know, I, I know Florida State and a bunch of people had been doing them for years, but he kind of came in and, and it kind of caught fire when he brought in Coach Van Hallinger, who's another great Christian man. And they, they kind of, you know, just set the forefront of, of this is how it's going to be. And it really, you know, kind of kick-started You know, Georgia, I think where Georgia is today, you know, Kirby just kind of took it and and took it to a whole nother level once he got there. But, you know, I think Coach Rick has a lot of, you know, a lot that he, you know, know, needs to take a lot of credit for for turning that program around and, and where it is today.
0: You know, I'm thinking about you as you talk, you know, Bill Belichick's got a book out there. It's the education of a coach, and it's basically how he evolved as a coach. And what's interesting about you, I mean, we started off saying, hey, you just won 62 games in a row. That's a state record, four state championships in a row. But as you're talking, I'm sitting there like he worked for Mark Rick. I mean, he played for Mark Rick. And then he goes to one of the best organizations in football, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers over time. The ownership is great. And how it's just from the outside looking in, from my perspective. And then you play with the Indianapolis Colts with Tony Dungy. So these are great programs, even though they won the Super Bowl after you left, but <laughs> obviously great organizations. You know, what are those things that you learned that really stick out to you that have molded you as a coach? Um,
1: You know, I think it's a, a lot of it just has to go back to hard work and kind of the blue-collar hard work mentality that kind of Pittsburgh's built on when you kind of look at, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers and, you know, every organization is different. They weren't as, you know, ticky tacky picky on as far as nutrition and all this, they probably are now, you know, but early on back then in two thousands, the early two thousands, they weren't. And then you, then you go to Indianapolis and they were one of the first people kind of on the cutting edge of, of kind of training the core, you know, getting your core strength up. That's where a lot of that really started. And, and they had you color-coded on, you know, what you could eat in the cafeteria and this and that, and, like, they were to another level. But it's just crazy. It was crazy to see how both of those organizations were super successful and have been over time doing it their way. But, you know, you, I was also fortunate to, to be around great players at those organizations. You know, Jerome Bettis, Hans Ward, you know, Ben Rawlingsberger's first, you know, his rookie year was when I was there, just great dudes, and then transferred to Indianapolis, and you see Peyton Manning, you know, Edgeron James, Marvin Harrison, these guys, Dallas Clark, and that's where, you know, one thing, and I still tell my kids today, you know, even though it's a lot of times, you know, you, you forget that a lot of these guys may not even know who Peyton Manning is anymore, you know, because we're we're getting so old, but you know, one of my first days there, you know, in the summer, you know, I'd always, you know, I was going to be one of the first ones there and, you know, just make sure, you know, I was, I always felt like I had something to prove, you know, as being a walk on at Georgia, you always felt like you had, you know, had to prove something or prove your worth is why you were there. So, you know, Indianapolis, we get there, get there early, you know, work out hard and, you know, and Peyton asked some guys, you know, Hey, y'all want to stay after and throw. I mean, if, Peyton Manning asked you if you want to stay after the throw. You're a flipping idiot if you say no, you know? So, yeah. You know, we said, heck yeah, it was, you know, stay after. And, you know, two to three hours later, we're going, what in the heck are we doing? I mean, this guy is a maniac. He was the first person in the building and he was the last person to leave every day. You know, he's, he was probably the hardest worker I had been around as far as a player. When you take it from the field to the film room, he was just on another level which is crazy because like when I finally first got into high school coaching, I said, man, this is easy. You know, this is going to be a breeze. We took a lot of the stuff that we ran in Indianapolis and I was, you know, you put it on the board and you can't stop it. You know, you can't do it. You can't do it. You know, and I come in as an assistant oh nine and we go oh and 10. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, then I'm sitting here going, man, I don't know if this coaching thanks for me or not. So, You know, and then you fast forward to what we've been able to do lately. I mean, it's just being able to, like you said with Coach Belichick, you know, the evolution of a coach, you know, how you're how you're able to change every year and kind of learn from your mistakes and not so much dumb it down but kind of slow that, you know, because there's a reason those guys are in the NFL and that's what they do for a living. They don't have to go sit in a, a math class all day long and, you know, worry about, you know, their dates on, to the prom. You know, it's just – it was crazy. Just, just small stuff like that. Just seeing those guys work and just understanding the benefit of leadership and just some small things that you think are small. That that uh, the attention to detail that still you can see today.
0: Yeah, you know, I was somewhere this weekend, and you know, we were just talking about building a program, and you know, everybody talks about work. You got to work. You got to work. You got to work. And then somebody's like, "Well, everybody works." <laughs> but my thing was is. Not not everybody works the same. Like, not everybody works like Peyton Manning, you know? So now you're 0 and 10, your first year as an assistant. Okay. So, you know, for the listener, all right, they just won 62 games in a row. Okay. You're only 44. I know you said you're getting old, but I'm 44 too. So we're not, we're in between. And, oh, yeah. um, and so you get there, you're 0 and 10. And then you become the head coach. You've got to turn this program around. You have won sixty-two games in a row, but like, what was it like? You go zero and ten. What was the culture like? What did you have to change? What did you have to do? Just go through that.
1: Well, I mean, we went we went zero and ten at first year. You know, in the second year was my second year as an assistant. We went four, five, and one. You know, and Coach Don Marshman. He he was a coach forever, and he. He was my high school coach as a freshman. You know, he was he came in and you know during this two year stint, he was going to be the head coach for two years, and then I was going to kind of take over and and all this and and it just I had a lot to learn as far as being a head coach, you know, and he kind of came in and and allowed me to learn really that first year and just kind of stood back and and I kind of was looking and I said, man, we we got to reevaluate everything we're doing and how we're doing it because we were like, and, and that's kind of to the core of me is being, being that walk on growing up in the, in the country, having horses and cows and having to haul hay and, you know, build fences and all that stuff. And, you know, my dad was a state trooper and just believed in working, working, working. You know, he, he believed if, you know, if you were inside during the day, you were lazy or sorry, you know, because, you you know, grown men ain't supposed to do that. Boys ain't supposed to do that. You're supposed to work, you know, and and I grew up with that. So I would, you know, I'd be in the bed on Saturday mornings just hoping he had to work, at, you know, hoping he had to, you know, be at the state patrol that day, you know. And but that's where that, that that's where all that came from. It's just work, work, work. And we, I've got a few guys on my staff now that played for me in 09 and. You know, we look at it, and that's that year. Like we ran more that year. We we did more conditioning that year. We hit more that year. I mean, it's we were overboard, kind of trying to. And and you look at it, and I think we were kind of trying to do too much, too fast. So we kind of simplified it, and, and and took a few steps back, and and it's trying in, instead of trying to have you know. 15 run plays in a game. You know, we we said, you know, this second year, this third year, we're going we're going to go in with with four good ones and we'll eventually get to where we'll have 10 12 formations we can run those four or five plays out of, you know, and you know, for a high school kid, that's a lot easier than having to learn new schemes. That that was some things I had to learn, just managing time, you know, whereas now we 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 won't have a practice longer than hour and 45 minutes. Back then, you know, we would practice forever, and we were having four days back when you used to have camp, and it was just horror stories. Just thinking, like because the harder you work doesn't always result in a win, you know, and you got to do it the right way, and that's what ultimately, you know, I, I kind of figured out, and and, and you got to have you know buy in, and, and it takes. It takes a while to get your program to where you want it. You know, as far as it, it takes a while to get that uh, that strength and conditioning program rolling, it's not going to happen in one year. These guys got to get bigger, faster, and stronger every year, and that's kind of what we were dealing with, trying to change the culture, and that's that's kind of where we're at now.
0: So, as you you know, you begin that journey, you know, so you go to your first state championship game. Talk about like what you became like from an offensive standpoint. So by this point you pretty much had your offensive mindset, what you want, your defensive mindset, what you want. Walk through that a little bit about who you were when you first started winning championships from an offensive and defensive mindset. Yeah. I mean like the,
1: this whole thing, like the run and all this, like we were probably back in 2012 is when it, a lot of things started changing Defensively for us, I mean, I'm an offensive guy, but but I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, our success over the last, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, is is basically, you know, offense gets the credit, but we hang our hat on our defense. And right. we had an old retired guy, Stan Shepard, came in and and kinda helped us out. And, you know, he's he's always helped us and been a DC for us for a year or two during the during a coaching change. And, you know, we've been blessed with great coaches and Basically, you know, we've been a 4-4, cover three team since then, which, you know, it'll, it'll morph to a 4-2-5 depending on our personnel. We'll mix max some coverages, some stuff like that. But the whole onus of the whole thing is when we turn the film on, there better be 11 hats flying to the football every play. And if we get out-efforted, then that's on us. And that, that normally does not happen. Because we stress it so much in practice, so much in games. You know, these coaches are grading film every day. They're giving you a loaf. And, you know, the first thing I did when I got in our 09 was we, we put in a, you know, a 55 yard sandpit and we wear that. We still wear that sucker out to this day. But I mean, it's all about effort. It's all about effort. And because we're having to train guys to play both ways, you know, due to number size, we, and we've had some years where we've had 60 guys on the team but i you know usually we're around that high 30s mid 40s but you know most of these guys are are playing both ways you try not to play as many as you can but you know we just <laughs> that's kind of where defensively we've try to fly around force turnovers but it's all about effort it's it's all about flying to the football and and, and everybody we play knows that so Obviously, you know we'll give up a big play on the screen or on some different things like that, just because of everybody knows they can take advantage of us. And we've had we've had people lately take advantage of our D line technique, you know, because we feel like our our guys have them coached up so well they'll they'll give them false reads, and sure enough, they're they're playing their read and they're running that ball right behind us, and uh, they don't even have to block us. But I, I told our coaches I feel like that was just a compliment to the job they're doing. And offensively for us, you know, I've always been an eye guy, a pro style. We're going to line up, we're going to run power, we're going to run ISO, and we'll play action pass, you know, and then we'll get in the gun. I mean, we we were going to mix match and do a little bit of everything, but we were pro style, and that's who we were, and that's who I was always going to be. And you know, we were we were in the middle of this this sixty two game run. We were two years into it. You know, we had won it in nineteen and twenty. And just graduated the biggest senior class we had back in 2020, and I and I just had to have a you know a long hard look at myself and what we had coming back. And we had always had big linemen, you know, that we could lean on you with big fullbacks. We'd kick you with. We could iso you with. And and just looking at what we had coming back, we didn't have it. We had a lot of athletic dudes that could run. So you know, we we were fortunate enough to. To hire Jim Avra, you know, it's this offensive-minded mind, dude from South Georgia, and we transitioned into like the gun wing. And people that knew me, you know, swore up and down I'd never be in the in the wing, but I do a lot of things to win a football game. And you. <laughs> you know, I I've learned a lot of football the last three years. You know, doing what we do, but you know, we're running Buck Sweet, we're running, you know, Power Reed, we're running a bunch of bash concepts. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, we're still going back to, we're running power, running ISO, we're running toss. You know, we're we're still kind of doing a lot of the same stuff we've always done. We're just getting to it a different way because we had to. Like, there's no way we were going to have the success the last three years we had doing what we had always done. Now, we were going to win some games and and make some runs. I just knew we couldn't win a state championship doing what we had always done. So, just tried to make a a shot in the dark, and you know we did, and we hit a home run with it and you know our kids are are loving it you know it's it's a really fun offense it's kind of it's kind of you know pattern for for our personnel and depending on who that personnel is i mean like two years ago, not not this year but last year our our quarterback ran for fifteen hundred and through fifteen hundred you know and this year you know that quarterback graduated, so this year we had a quarterback that set every passing record we've had at the school, you know, for a single season. So I mean, and we still had a 2000 yard back. So it was really, really multiple in, in a lot of things we do. And it's really fun. But out of those two facets, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, you know, when it comes down to it, if you want to you want to win a ball game and you want to win a championship against like-minded teams, you know, you got to win in that special teams category. And I feel like that's something we stress a lot is the special teams, is trying to be opportunistic in special teams, you know, trying to steal a, an onside kick, trying to steal a possession. You know, we we pop-up kick all the time. And, you know, fans, you know, forever, they get, they get all mad because, yeah, I mean, everybody would love to have the kicker. that can kick it out of the back of the end zone. Right. But early on, like in 09 and 11 and 10, like – Man, every game it seemed like we'd have somebody run one back, and it just that would just be so demoralizing to have somebody run a kickoff back. So, more and more we got to looking at this, and we've been doing it for a long time. Is is you know you still got to have a good kicker to do it. Is we try to pop that thing as high as we can, pop it to the thirty, right on the bottom of the numbers, because at worst, you know, you would think if you get the fair catch, all you're giving up is one first down, and you're you're going to get the ball on the thirty. They're going to get it now. They're going to drop that ball some. And a lot of times it doesn't really matter. It takes a lot of guts for a guy, a coach, to put his best guy on the 30, on the bottom of the numbers because we can kick away from him too. But still, if you got it high enough and your guys are covering fast enough and they have effort, you know, which is always back to effort, they're going to get down there in time, you know, where he doesn't have a chance to return it. So that element of the game is over. So that's a part that we feel like, you know, we stress special teams like crazy. We do punt team every day. And I know everybody does all that same stuff. So, But we just feel like special teams has got to be special. And I I think that's a part that sometimes gets kind of overlooked when people talk football.
0: Absolutely. Coach, as you go through your 62-game win streak, at what point did it start stressing you out? (laughs) You know, we never said it did. But it was. I mean, it
1: was. It was stressful. It started weighing, weighing on me pretty bad uh, this year. I mean, because when you know, winning a ball game is tough. You know, and, and a lot of people, you know, kind of compare it to rich folks' problems. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, but um, it's still problems. And y- y- you start every little injury, every little this, every little that mounts up to. Man, this could be the one. And, you know, I you know, it was really tough, it was really stressful, but I felt like we did a really good job of, you know, we come up with a saying every year. Some and sometimes sayings stick, you know, your mantras. Sometimes they stick and 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 we'll keep them forever. Sometimes they're not real good and they don't, you know, they kind of go away. But we had went on a run back in, I think it was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. And I think all those years, except maybe one, we had made the semifinals and had lost, made the semifinals and lost, made the semifinals and lost. So going into 16, you know, which was the first year we won the state championship, you know, that year, like our motto or our mantra that year was one more week, right? All we wanted was one more week. Like that was our goal was to play one more week. And it kind of, it kind of got us to where, We focused on one more week. And I know it's a lot of coach speak when people say, man, we're just focused on the next game, focused on the next opponent. And when you kind of look at that 62 game deal, it really kind of mounted up into a two or three year span before you'd ever really kind of step back and said, Lord, you know, we hadn't lost one yet because our guys were so used to our coaches were so used to we were so used to we won that one we're walking off the field we're getting ready for the next one like and it you know you know you've been there like you win that state championship you're walking off the field and you're not really having time to enjoy it because you're thinking about how can I get back you know and then that's stressful so it's just. You know, it's and this year I probably, you know, enjoyed it the most. And and this was, I mean, it's a fun group. Every every year is different, every group's different, but it was it's been stressful to say the least for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, people don't really understand that is, you know, in 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 a win streak, the stress just builds and builds and builds. I, I love, I learned so much from De La Salle, right. Bob Laudasore, if I said it right, but when the game stands tall, they had, I think it was over 140 or maybe 150 game win streak. But in the process, he had a heart attack. Hmm. And, um, you know, so just the pressure and the stress to win. What I find interesting is is the struggle to win a championship. So talk about this a little bit. You know, you you go to the semifinals, you said, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, you're getting close, but you're not getting there, you know, which can also drive a man to despair. Just talk about just what you learned in that process, how you became a how that adversity made you a better coach, which really led you to where you know you got to where you wanted. So you so you go four years not making the championship, and then you went four years winning the championship. Talk about what you learned during that process. Um, you know, you learn, you know
1: you know you you do have to stress the little things you know I, I think a lot of people talk about the little things you know you you know don't don't stress the little things you know but i think when you're looking at the game of football especially in high school you have to stress the little things because they they will fester throughout the year and grow to be big things as far as you know substitution penalties you know this penalty or that penalty like i think you know if you let something go Early on in the year, it, it continued to grow, to continue to build. Whereas if you'll just attack it early on in the year, you'll be better off for it. We we kind of went back and looked and, you know, how did we lose that one? Why why did we lose that one? You know, I mean, you, you kind of stress and and kind of do that stuff. But, you know, it, it does make it sweeter when you get there, you know, going through all the trials and tribulations of it, but it just makes you hungry, you know, and you, and you try to find different ways and different ways to get there. And we would, we would change things in the weight room. We would change different ways that we do stuff, but you kind of got to step back too and, and not forget, you know, we can't blow the whole thing up. You know, we, we went 12 and one, you know, we went 12 and one, made the semis, you know, we're not going to blow this whole thing up. So we're going to make small adjustments. We're going to make small tweaks. Whereas during the run, you know, the 62-game run, you know, we had to be real cautious not to get stale. You know, just because something had worked the year before doesn't mean it would work the next year. And then you get so, you know, I don't call it superstitious. I call it routine-oriented. You know, we do, you know, I always got to do this on this Friday. Bam, 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 bam. You know, and if one thing's not right, then it's, you know, we're going to lose a game. you know. We all know that's not true, but it kind of makes you feel that way. So you have to change up some things, but at the same time, you got to keep a lot of things the same. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but just to kind of get what you want to get, you know, I I don't think you blow up the whole, you know, the whole
0: house. No, absolutely. So, Coach, talk about, I mean, 62-game win streak. All right, it came to an end this year last game. How did – I mean, so so you get your team and, like everybody, I don't care whether you won that game or lost that game, you're instantly thinking about, all right, we got – you know, it's 2024. How is your team responding to that and what are you guys doing? What's your philosophy in the offseason, like, kind of like right now to get yourself ready for 2024? You
1: know, it's – Staying in the weight room. I mean, I mean, I think and everybody's the same. You know, you, you, you try to stay in the weight room, you try to change some small things, some tweaks, work on some some smaller things. And and we're looking at, you know, offensively, what can we add schematically to, to change up? You know, where in this last game were we deficient on some things that we could have gotten better at? Can we change our practice schedule? You know, can we can we do some things different to try to get to these guys? Because that's the thing, too. Like at the bottom of our of my practice sheet every day, it's always got, you know, it's got to be fun, you know, because at the end of the day, if if it's not fun for these guys, they're not going to keep doing it. So we've got to make it fun and we're always trying to live for creative things to do. I, I mean, I know I hear a lot of these guys doing the, the competition Tuesdays and, and different things like that. I mean, we we've done some things before to where you have them broken up into groups in off season and they come in, it's a point-based system. But at the same time, you know, the small school like us, you know, we're we're encouraging all these kids to play multiple sports. So it's hard, you know, we, we have our football guys in the last period of the day, you know, year round. But at the same time, if they're playing basketball and baseball, you know, they're leaving early for away games and this and that. So there's a lot of time we don't get them. So those guys will come in at, you know, 6.15, 6.30 in the morning and get their stuff done. You know, Chad Freeman, our strength conditioning guy, does a great job of kind of pretty much juggling these guys when we get them in. And, you know, if that's, that's what I would say, like, we did early on, and I know a lot of people do, but if you don't have your guys – all together in one class you got to try to get them there for sure because it makes a world of difference having those guys all together and then you know as soon as that horn blows this it moves on you know everybody gives the same speech you know now juniors you're no longer juniors you're seniors and and you kind of try to see who's going to step up who's going to be leaders and who's going to lead this year's team what's this year's team going to look like and who's that going to be? I mean, and I think everybody knows the the quicker you find out who's going to play where, the better you're going to be. Sometimes that takes the whole summer. Sometimes it takes three or four games. And, and we were plugging and playing all year this year. So you never know.
0: You know, you were talking, and as you were talking, because I asked you the question, how hey, you got beat, you know, you got beat in the state championship. You know, you're going to change this or that or whatever. What's your, what's your thinking going into 2024? I remember back, I don't know, probably was it probably was 12, 13 years ago now, maybe 10, I don't know. But Notre Dame had played Alabama in the national championship. I think it was a national championship, because I don't think they had the semifinal thing back then. But so Notre Dame's playing Alabama, and and Notre Dame just got whipped, right? I mean. They got beat pretty good by Alabama. And I remember the defensive coordinator came by recruiting at our school. I mean, I was just asking him, like, you know, what was their focus in the spring? You know, same, same thing, always trying to ask questions to get better. And basically their whole spring had been or was going to be adjust, the adjustments they need to make defensively to stop Alabama. And then, of course, they never played again in the national championship, but I just thought, you know what? Sometimes a team is so good and it doesn't matter what you do. You're not stopping them. Um, And, you know, a lot of times we overthink it. It's like you said, you can't overthink it. Don't change everything. It's not broke. I think as coaches, we, we can, we have a tendency to do that. Like just make sweeping changes when those are not necessary. Coach, as we end, what, what are, like one or two things that you could tell a young coach or any any coach who's aspiring to be a head coach what are like two things that you could give them that they need to focus on to be a winning coach
1: I mean I think you know first off everybody's a position coach to start with right so Man, everybody seems to have, you know, I'm an offensive guy or I'm a defensive guy. Like, what I would say or suggest would be, you know, don't put yourself in a box. You know, don't say, you know, I'm just a linebackers coach. You know, because if you're aspiring to be a DC, if you don't know how that front end works and the back end work together, you're not going to be a really good coordinator. So, you know, if you're a D-line coach for two or three years and you're really good, I mean... When you're wanting to be that DC and DC job, and it doesn't come open, I mean, try to try to coach DBs, try to coach linebackers. I mean, I think the more experience you can be in multiple areas, the better you can be. If you're a defensive guy, and I I still do this, like at clinics and stuff. Like I'm an offensive guy, so I'll kind of go to defensive meetings just to see how a defense will these defensive coaches are going to talk about this is what you do to stop this, to just kind of see what's going on in their mind. I think it's really good to be able to coach both sides of the ball. You know, if you're a head coach, obviously you've got to be able to trust your coordinators, but at the same time, it all runs through you. Your name's on the line, you know, because at the end of the day, you're the head coach. And yeah, you've got to trust them, but they got to, at the end of the day, all be on the same page with you. So I would I, I and I wouldn't say, you know, offensively if I'm an offensive guy that I'm only an I guy. You know, I, I think I learned that. I had to learn that. So I think you have to be able to adapt to your personnel or you'll have good years and bad years. You know, you you won't be able to sustain a winning a winning culture if you have to always do the same thing, if you're not able to always get the same athletes. So it's just hard to do. I mean, and I I think the second thing is, you know, surround people, (laughs) surround yourself with people that are better than you. And and when I say that, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, we, we have some older guys that, you know, retired, live at the lake, and, you know, they coach a lot of ball, and, you know, they come in and, you know, they're better at me in a lot of things, and you know they're they're better than me in the way they live their life for 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 Christ, you know. And I, I learn from these guys every day. You know, I want to surround myself with the, with the best offensive mind the guy I can find, the best defensive mind the guy I can find, and I want to learn from those guys every day. You know, I want to go to clinics and I want to learn, and I want to, you know, I want to listen to the coach guest podcasts, you know, and, and learn something. So, I mean, I think the more you can learn, the better you can be.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that plug right there. <laughs> I really only do the podcast so I can learn. Uh, you know, just just trying to figure out. You know, what's that one thing? And and this is one thing I always, you know, because I want a lot of Elka. you want a lot of John Millage, and what a lot of people will always say is, well, they cheat, they recruit, or you know, they just come up with all this bullcrap. So what I've learned is is like everybody that wins wins for a reason, right? They there's something that they're doing that's different or special and what is it? And and so like man that's that's what I'm out to to figure out is is what is that? And so you know that's why you know just super impressed with what you've done there at at John Millage I watched it from afar and uh, and I definitely think it's special, man. Just winning 62 games in a row. I mean, you could play 62 times against yourself and figure out a way to beat yourself. And you know, so I think that's amazing. But coach, I appreciate it, man. If you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you as we head out. Yes, sir. Lord, we're coming for you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Praise and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, just praise and thank you for what JT Walls doing there at John Millage. It's just cool to see. The people that you've put in his life, like Christian men like Mark Rick. And and he said, Tony Dungy. And now he's talking about guys that are older than him on his staff that work for him, that are leading him in Christ. Lord, you are good. And you are always good to us. And I just pray that you continue to bless JT and his efforts there, uh, continue to bless that program as he does strive to lead them for Christ. So Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I appreciate it. It was great. Thanks, Coach.
1: Appreciate all you do.